Hello everyone, welcome to episode 711 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. We are less than two months away from the Cold Wave 7 Festival, kicking off in New York City September 13th through 15th, Chicago September 21st through 23rd, and Los Angeles September 27th through 29th. Head to coldwaves.net for the full lineup and ticket links with pre-shows, post-shows, and a few remaining VIP packages. This week we are chatting with New York City performer Peter Santiago. This is Winky.
the band is a two-piece. It's myself and Gina. I play live uh, bass guitar, and Gina does vocals and keyboards live. Uh, when we're recording, I also put together the percussion stuff and occasionally contribute some of the keyboard stuff. But most of that, um, people that actually think it's the guitar is is Gina's affected keyboards and the special way she does it. It's amazing what sounds that you can create without actually having, you know, that, that guitar in the mix. And that was kind of an interesting transition for us because I'm really a guitar player. And when we started this, I was actually playing guitar. Um, but when we took it from the studio with the early songs and where that was at, it didn't sound right live. So we were trying different things to see what the problem was. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to play bass and see how that goes. And, and then that actually worked live. So it became more of the evolution of our sound that the guitar is kind of just faded and Gina took over all those textures with the keyboard. And, and I was able to just kind of fill up that the bottom end. At this point, I'm just not even comfortable playing the guitar because I've gotten used to the, the feel of the bass that I, I actually feel awkward on the guitar. But it's, it's not ruled out. It's just um, when we go to start building tracks, I usually either start with percussion or bass. So it's just by the time Gina puts in all of her stuff, it, there's like not really space to even add that. But it's, it's not out of the question. Yeah, I mean, sonically, it sounds like there, there's enough going on anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're kind of, everything on 10 is, is our comfort place, so we fill it up as much as we can. So far, you guys have the two releases, 2013's One Day We Pretended to Be Ghosts and 2016 Come to My Party. It looked like you guys got to work with some really uh, awesome people on those albums, uh, Oliver Ackerman. Uh, from a place yeah. to bury strangers, and then uh, Joe Cardamone. Cardamone, yes, from uh, Ickersline. And um, with the one day we pretended to be ghosts, we really did mostly everything, and neither of us know anything about mastering. So we are huge fans of a place to bury strangers, especially being located in, in Brooklyn. They're just, you know, they're, they're just like such a force, and. Um, we were trying to think of somebody that would understand what, what we were doing. Um, and just on a chance, I reached out to him and he was very excited to help us, which was like an honor for us. And um, he's just like a super nice guy. And he got everything sounding like really great for us. He even helped out with like the track order. And it was just, we were so excited to have that, that assistance with the first album. With the second album, it was the same thing. We considered, we know what we do, but it would be interesting to see what somebody else, how they would kind of interpret the tracks. Um, and Joe Cardamone came to mind because uh, the last two albums he did with Icarus Line were just so huge sounding. Um, we loved his earlier stuff, but particularly for me, the last two were just so intense. Um, and we caught him live for uh, one of those tours, the last two albums. And it was just amazing. Um, and the same thing, we reached out to him and he really doesn't work with 
with a lot of people, but he thought he understood what we were doing and he thought he can contribute something. So he definitely listening to the mixes that we had done to what he, he did. It was, it was a really nice transition. He helped bring a little breath into it, but still keep the intensity that we were looking for. So he, you know, mixed it with us and mastered and everything. And it was uh, great to have him involved. I mean, he's worked with Nick Cave and Warren Ellis and he's worked with Hyde recently. And, um, you know, it was just really cool working with him. He's a great guy. Do you have a short list or, or someone particular in mind that you'd want to work with for the next album? We've tried reaching out to Alan Wilder numerous times. And um, from what we understand, he's really not doing anything music related at this time. But um, just the work he did with Nitzareb and, and Depeche Mode, obviously, it's we would love to have him kind of help us to develop some of the atmospheric and cinematic qualities of our music because when we originally started this it was um back in 2008 and 2009 a friend that we played with in a previous project moved on to film work and he had a couple of short films one was um casey and one was the lesson and he asked us to kind of do the the songs for it and just like some of the mood ambient background stuff and we really felt comfortable doing that. It was um, kind of like one of those things we always wanted to do. So it was nice to, to get involved with film stuff. We kind of just kept developing tracks and songs. And pretty soon we had almost half of what became uh, One Day We Pretended to Be Ghosts. And we always thought like maybe Alan Wilder would help us kind of develop that, that into our stuff. But he's definitely one.
besides working with with those guys on the albums, you've also it looks like you've had some fun having having some other bands remix some of your songs. Tell me about that. Yes, um, one is uh, the band Vows. They're a great band. They're from Australia. They're located in LA right now. We met them playing a show together in New York. They're super talented. We reached out to them and just basically told them, you know, like do whatever you want. We're totally trust anything you do. And uh, they did a really cool treatment uh, for one of our songs, the most recent album. And they also helped out with a video for that. And the other person was uh, Jamie Stewart from Shushu, um, who we saw recently. He was doing that Twin Peaks kind of stuff. We saw him at the kitchen in New York, you know, reached out to him. And again, it was one of those things where it's just amazing to hear. He's like, wow, I really like what you're doing. I would totally be into doing a remix. And um, we were just blown away by what he did. It was, um, he totally chopped it up and took it into a new place. And he was a little reluctant. He's like, I'm not sure if you guys are going to like this because I really move things around. And we were like, this is perfect. <laughs> so speaking of Twin Peaks, I usually don't get into the band name because uh, I mean, usually that's not such a, a fun topic, but Seeing as how you guys named your band after the diner from Mulholland Drive, I, I thought I thought that would be fun to talk about for a bit. I haven't seen that movie in 15 years, but I did rewatch on, on YouTube the scene where, where the guy is talking about his dream. So tell me about how, how that movie uh, just inspired the name of the band. <laughs> we, you know, as many people are huge fans of David Lynch and his work, it's just really inspiring and dark and crazy and... Um, at the time we were doing the soundtrack work, we were watching Mulholland Drive almost on like a repeat, you know, and our friend was like, you know, what do you guys want to call it? Do you just want it to be your names? And we're like, no, if we wanted to do something a little tongue in cheek, um, just to offset the ominousness of the music. And, you know, that scene kind of had the play. It was comedic and horrific. And um, we were like, winky that would be kind of funny and kind of creepy and it's kind of become a thorn in our side a little bit uh some people are not as uh, excited about it as we are we had a um at one point a, a label was like we'd really love to do something with you but would you want to change that name and, uh, you know but it was there's like a lot of meaning tied into it for us and uh I think when people understand where it comes from and as you see that scene, it's kind of like, okay, this is a different thing than um, a cute name for uh, somebody's penis or something, you know? I picture, you know how sometimes they do those promotional pop-up shops? Like in Chicago, they made the Max Diner from Saved by the Bell or for Breaking Bad, they made, you know, Los Poyos Hermanos, you know, fried chicken shops. I could just picture in New York City, someone making a Winkies diner, you know, for, <laughs> and then you guys could just, you know, perform as it, as, as the official band or whatever. That would be, it would probably scare off a lot of, uh, potential customers, but we would totally be into I it. I would think and, the kind um, of people that want to go to Winkies diner would understand <laughs> what they were getting in. Yes. And it's, it's interesting because it also, it's, it's opened up some opportunities for us because we've connected with a few, um, other David Lynch, musicians fans that are kind of doing the same thing we at the time we met this band silent drape runners who took their name from a twin peaks moment and um that's evolved into this 
project that plays both wonderful and strange. And we've done a few shows that kind of are related to Twin Peaks and David Lynch. And uh, there's another band that also in the area they're called um, Fuck You Tammy and from the most recent season. So, you know, we've had some cool shows that have kind of existed around that. So you made your own little mini subgenre scene. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Um, what else do you have coming up this fall? Do you have, you know, more live shows? Do you, are you progressing at all on, on another album? Yes to both. We keep a pretty busy schedule with performances, at least in New York. Um, we usually play a show every couple of months or two with, you know, either friends or bands coming through town. We just recently played with Ganser, who also performing on Cold Waves. Um, that was a good show. I got to see them in Philly. Yeah. Yeah. So we played with them at St. Vitus recently, and it was just a, a great bill and a lot of fun. They're, they're super good live. And so we're performing, and we're also working on finishing up an album. Um, probably like a short album, but we have about eight or nine songs pretty far along in the demos right now. We're um, just finishing some stuff, revisiting some things, maybe writing a few more, and then deciding if we're going to keep this one to totally finish off ourselves or you know, maybe bring in somebody else to like help us out again. So was there anything else that I missed that you wanted to um, promote or talk about or go over? I guess the only thing that I would talk about is with our live performances. We really think of them as, uh, again, like in this idea of like film and environment, like we really like to try and create an environment for the audience. So it's just the two of us and we're not necessarily, you know, like doing backflips on stage or anything. So we really want to create something that the audience can really connect to in addition to the sounds that we're producing, we have used projections or fog machines and we're very conscious of what we're wearing so that it kind of, our goal is to kind of take everybody into this world. Uh, it's kind of like an escape or an environment just for our, our set. And uh, since we've been doing it for a little while now, we've kind of got a good balance going where um, people do say after the show that, you know, they were really have this connection that they felt, you know, like somewhere else, which is just great for us to hear because that's actually what we're really trying to do to everybody. It's just like, let them forget about everything else and just enter this world of sound and visuals. And um, we had uh, recently our show at St. Vitus, somebody from uh, Invisible Oranges was there and they kind of articulated this so beautifully um, talking about the cinematic quality and, this, the environment that was created. So it's I when it works, I can't say it works all the time. Um, we're usually victim to um, whatever sound system a venue has or, you know, sound person. So we really try to work with people that understand what we're trying to achieve. But uh, when it does work, it's, it's, it's really cool. And I, I think people enjoy it.
On this episode, you heard To Die a Thousand Romantic Deaths, Sometimes, and Drowning Alone. Winky can be found at winky.bandcamp.com. Our opening music is Madmaker by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Michael Zadorozny from Crash Course in Science. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Gold Waves, fallen Chicago musician, and soundman Jamie Tuffy. Here's Acumen's merch guy, Eric Strombach, sharing a touring memory. Whenever we were on the bus, uh, again, in, uh, in the last few Acumen touring years, uh, I would be able to identify if Jamie was in the driver's seat, no matter where I was in the bus, in the weird, creepy, blacked-out, dark bunk we used to sleep in, or, you know, pass out in the back, anywhere. As long as you heard God Hates Us All by Slayer, that's the way he'd initiate his drive. Like, as soon as he got in the driver's seat, that song would play, and then whatever else after, but always that song first. That was, like, how he started every drive to wherever we were headed. <laughs>